You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and on today's show, lucky enough to be Joined by the expert in all things that went wrong, John Kegley, for today's show. This episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether you're corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. Right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and pay with a contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, we've had a little bit of time to kind of let that loss, you know, get away from us, but we're going to be getting back into some of those things on today's show because we didn't get to get into what went right and what went wrong yesterday. So, of course, we had to bring John Kegley on because he's the expert on all things that go wrong, but he also has something that went right from this game, and I think you'll be surprised to hear that from him. So, we're going to, in the second segment, get into what went wrong which will probably be the longer of the two segments before ending the show on a positive note with everything that went right against the Saints. But we're going to start with the news that there is one NFL writer that thinks that he understands why so many draft scouts and experts overlooked Justin Herbert in the process and thought he wasn't going to be a good quarterback. So it's always fun to you know kind of read back on some of the things that people said before Justin Herbert was absolutely balling out. And pro football focus, if you've been watching, is still sticking by their take that they had, so even less credibility for them. But let's go ahead and get into it. One NFL writer thinks he knows why so many draft experts looked over Justin Herbert. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. Billy Hyen, who writes for SportingNews.com, wrote an article talking about why so many different draft experts overlooked Justin Herbert, the Chargers rookie quarterback, who has done some historic things through his first four starts, including last night, including on Monday Night Football against the Saints. And one of the major things that he harps on is how many experts going in and through the draft process were talking about how Justin Herbert wasn't cut out to be an NFL quarterback. And according to this article, there were some anonymous scouts during the process that were saying he was soft, saying that he was immature, saying that he basically couldn't lead an NFL team. And I think the way that you've seen the Chargers players respond to him on the field and how he's been able to deal with so much adversity already in his young career has already disproved some of that. But it is interesting now, David, with how he's performed so far to look back at some of the reasons why he wasn't thought to be a sure thing like a couple of other quarterbacks in the draft. 
Yeah, and one one of those things that these experts sought out uh, about Justin Herbert was the fact that he was asked in his pre-draft press conference about the speed of the game and if he thought the speed of the game was going to be too much for the NFL level. And Justin Herbert responded honestly saying, I haven't played at the NFL level, so I don't know if the speed of the game is going to be too much. And Emmanuel Aucho, who is a, an expert, took exception to these comments when he said that Justin Herbert, he could potentially be the one of the biggest mistakes of the draft. Those are not words you want to hear from your future franchise quarterback. They might have been honest, but the draft isn't the time to be honest. Lie to me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a business relationship, a working relationship, or have somebody on my team that's going to just lie to me or tell me what I want to hear. I respect the fact that Justin Herbert was honest about his his opinion and gave a straightforward answer, which is all that we've seen in his press conferences at the NFL level. Also, about the comments about him being soft or immature, a former head coach of his at Oregon said that he wants a quarterback who does more than throw touchdowns. I guess I can understand how they could say that while they have seen him play at college, and this was based off of of 2018 comments, but Daniel, I think he has shown in spades why those comments are simply not true. Yeah, he has so far, and obviously four games is an incredibly small sample size, so you still have to reserve judgment a little bit on what he is going to be as a fully matured NFL player, but if he keeps getting better, I mean, what is the ceiling for this player? But to see those comments from his ex-head coach and knowing how many different coaches he went through at Oregon was really surprising just because that's not really something you say about your own quarterback, basically saying that it's not enough to just go play well on the field and also calling him out for bad practices that he had to. I mean, that's not a very good foundation of support for a guy who's, you know, in his younger 20s. So that was pretty surprising there. But really all he has been able to do so far in the NFL through four games is not only be statistically and historically very good for what he's been able to do in those games, but has also so has also showed the demeanor to just sit in there in the pocket, make throws under pressure, not be rattled by big moments, giving a go-ahead touchdown to the Chargers in each of the last two weeks, going up against the Saints and the Buccaneers, even putting the Chargers in position to win Monday night's game against the Saints with a 50-yard field goal. So, David, even though obviously we could go on and on about the cons that people had when he was coming into the league, but now it's just fun to watch this kid and hope that he can really grow into something truly special. Absolutely. And what he has done through four games, Daniel suggests that he absolutely has the ability to do that because you look at if the speed of the game was too much for Justin Herbert and the stats definitely say that it is not. He has thrown for 1,195 yards, nine touchdowns, also got a touchdown on the ground and has only thrown three interceptions while completing 68.8% of his passes. And oh, by the way, Justin Herbert is the fifth rookie QB in the Super Bowl era with an 85-plus passer rating in each of their first four NFL starts. So take that for Justin Herbert not being ready for the speed of the game. And as for him being soft, I think he's shown already several times that he is not soft by taking big hits and also standing in the pressure like you talked about and making big money throws whenever his team has needed it. Just because he's a quiet, soft, shy, demeanor type of person does not mean he is not capable of being a leader. I think Herbert has already shown with his play that he can lead by example. 
One, it's funny too, because you think of another guy that he's been compared to by some people like Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was the epitome of quirky. I mean, I've heard him talk so many times in so many press conferences, and he was very genuine, very honest, but it didn't sound like a lot of the rest of the quarterbacks throughout the NFL. And that reminds me of Justin Herbert a little bit in that sense, plus just their ability to read the field and everything he's been so good at. I think the fairest criticism up until this point was just there are certain easy throws that he's making inaccurate passes, but it does seem like the footwork has been cleaned up a little bit. He's been making better decisions week by week, just having his last game where he didn't throw an interception, even though one probably should have been caught, but limiting those plays even under incredible duress has been so impressive, and I think he's going to continue to prove people wrong going forward. But we do have two more segments to get into because we still have to get into what went wrong and what went right from this last game against the New Orleans Saints. But first, I need to tell you guys that thanks to a a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they will join another league, the League of Football Watchers. Those passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Alright guys, well yesterday we focused on a game recap and then another game that goes to overtime. We basically needed the entire show to talk about all the things that happened from that game, but now we have to get into something that we do every week, and that's get into what went wrong and what went right from the game. And we're going to start with what went wrong so we can finish things up on a positive note. And of course, when we do this segment, we have to roll out the red carpet for the expert in all things that went wrong, and that is John Kegley, the Chargers encyclopedia. So John, I know it might have been tough for you in this game to single out the biggest thing that went wrong for the Chargers, but what's the first thing that you want to talk about as far as what went wrong against the Saints. I want to go play calling. I, I don't know what it is with this offensive play calling and constantly running the ball on first down, but I mean, they're not even really good design runs. It's like a, it's such a simple running play that you know it's happening. You know what's coming, and even if you didn't know what was coming, it's so simple you can stop it after a two-yard game, and then you're stuck in second and eight. And lots of times you run it this, almost the same exact running play, if not just re- flipping it and running it to the other side. And now you're stuck in third and seven constantly. I don't get what it is. Like, why can't you start out on the attack? Why can't it be the flip? I know Anthony Lynn wanted to run the ball a lot this year, but your offensive line's hurt. Your starting running back's hurt. Your strength is the passing game. Why can't you start passing to set up the run instead of running to set up the pass? I feel we would get way more of an advantage on the scoreboard, the time of possession, just a lot of things if you were just to pass to set up the run instead. There was one running play that was nice where it was the delayed handoff up the middle. That's a better run call than just simple handoff up the middle constantly. And a stat that can back that up, John, is from Shield Capadia where 18 rushes for 20 yards on first down, including the first play of the last drive in regulation. That's good for only 0.9 yards per carry. That is absolutely terrible. Yeah, and I was saying all game just the fact that the Chargers were really screwing themselves on first downs. They were awful on first downs all night. The few good plays that we saw were usually passing plays. You have the screen to Virgil Green, which was one of the better play calls of the night. But yeah, I think that a lot of people are saying, you know, that's just the Chargers trying to protect their rookie quarterback. But we also didn't see a lot of max protections and stuff either. I mean, when we did, it was still getting beat for the most part. And the offensive line obviously was a big issue in this game. And the running... 
the running the run blocking and all of that definitely has to do with that offensive line but locked on Saints host Brosh Jackson looked up on PFF how many pressures the Saints defense was credited with in this game and they were credited with 31 pressures on Justin Herbert and you're talking about that on about 37 or 38 dropbacks for the kid I mean that's just not going to get it done. So obviously, David, the offensive line is very banged up, but this, in my opinion, was their worst game so far. I think it led to Justin Herbert kind of having to evolve on the fly, trying to deal with some of that, getting sacked three times or 25 yards and just being under constant pressure. He's been good so far under pressure, but I mean, in those plays so many times over and over again, you just saw him getting beat down and just getting put up against the sticks. And a lot of that is the running on first down, putting yourself in third and long situations. I mean, that was just such a tough defensive front to do that against. And it really came back to bite the Chargers in a lot of situations. Yeah, Justin Herbert has done exceptionally well with pressure in his face, Daniel, but that is not where you want to live. That is not where you want a rookie quarterback to be all the time. He did... To his credit, make some incredible plays on that rollout where he hit Keenan Allen after evading two rushers that were hot on his tails. I mean, that right there was phenomenal. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't recall ever seeing Philip Rivers ever being able to do something like that. That right there was truly special. But he did get bruised and beaten and battered, and that's not how you want your quarterback to look at the end of a game. For me, my what went wrong was the Chargers horrible inability to not score in the second half they only scored seven points in the second half and unfortunately this has been a trend that has happened all season long the chargers have not scored more than nine points in the second half of any game since week one they've only scored 37 total points in five games in the second half which is only good for 7.4 points per game in the second half of games that is not going to get it done in the NFL Daniel well especially when you're combining it with how many points the Chargers defense has given up in the second half so far I mean the last couple of weeks against the Buccaneers you end up giving up the lead in the second half quickly that was and then this last game the Chargers defense fell apart in the second half as well but I think a lot of that for the defensive side of the ball John is something that we continue to harp on and it's them in two-minute situations, their two-minute defense, so to speak. They did really have a good stand against the Saints offense in the first half of this game. They actually played it pretty nicely and got off the field, and then the Chargers offense ends up going three and out, and they're put up against that same situation again. But either way, in this game, once again, not only do you have the Saints going right down the field to score a touchdown to cut the lead to 10 points before halftime, but at the end of the day, at the end of the game, your offense finally does get that touchdown. They put you up by seven with a chance to seal the game, and you're not able to do it again. And for most of this game, the defense had some bright spots, but that situation again for the Chargers comes back to bite them in the ass. Something has to change from Gus Bradley in those situations because two touchdowns in two two-minute situations is a pretty terrible average. And people are going to use the excuse, well, look at all the injuries on defense. And my answer to that would be, yeah, look at all the injuries they had on defense and look how well they held the Saints in in all those situations except the two-minute situation. So injuries are not an excuse. Could they be more effective if they have injuries? Sure. But with all the injured players they had, they were still shutting down the Saints. They held the Saints to three points all the way up until that final two minutes in the first half 
they were doing really well, except for one blown coverage to Jared Cook. They were doing really well in the second half, shutting down the Saints. And then two-minute warning comes. Oh, we're going to just back off and let them move down the field. You have injuries, but yet you're still doing good. There's no excuse. you got to be aggressive. Stick to what's working. Take your take your chances. I mean, you're, they're more likely going to score on you if you let them move down the field than they are if you play aggressive and force them into a turnover. If they happen to beat you over the top, then cool. You have more time to come back down and score yourself. Well, and I think that was the most frustrating part of that blown coverage is the Chargers were only rushing three guys on that play, and you still have a busted coverage on the back end, and that's incredibly frustrating. But I do think there have been strides at moments. Obviously, this defense isn't going to be the elite top five defense that we thought it was going to be going into the season. I mean, they've lost too many guys, but they can be a lot better than this, and it doesn't have to be so easy for opposing offenses to go down the field because right now, I mean, even with Justin Herbert, you've had the chance to win games the last couple of weeks with at least a touchdown lead at some point in the second half, and you just haven't been able to hold on to it. And a lot of that has to do with the offense, too. I mean, you have to come through in those situations and keep on adding points. But what you guys are both talking about, and that was going to be the next point I was going to get into, is the special teams part of it. Because Michael Badgley, obviously, yesterday he got his nickname revoked. We are a very heavy nickname podcast, but you just can't (laughs) choking badger. I mean, he's seven out of 10 now for the year. He misses the PAT, misses his first PAT of the season in that one, and then misses a 50 yard field goal. But now at this point, that's two out of six on 50 yard field goals for his career. So that's not a great thing, even for a guy that has the longest field goal in Chargers history at 59 yards. But it wasn't even just the kicking game. It was the entire special teams unit, especially the coverage. I mean, for the Saints, their punt returner, Callaway, had six punt returns for 69 yards. That's a lot of field position, including a long of 19 and averaging 11.5 yards per punt return. I mean, that's not great. And then you look at what they did on kick returns. They averaged just under 30 yards per kick return, while the Chargers with Tyron Johnson only averaged 17 and a half yards per return. That would have been a really nice spot for Joe Reed uh, to be on the team for those four kick returns. You have to imagine he would be more productive than that. It's not just about speed and kick returns. It's about field vision and making the right moves. And the whole special teams was a disaster. But at the end of the day, David, it's going to fall on Michael Badgley, who just frankly hasn't been good. I mean, he's been pretty average since the beginning of last year when he got injured absolutely not i mean and hey zach this one's for you buddy if they don't miss the pat if if he if michael badgley hits the pat we're talking about a chargers win right now that is how crucial that gimme i mean i don't know about that that, but i do i mean they would have had a chance to have gone for two yeah i don't think they would have got it but anyway i absolutely think they would have gotten it i think they would have Score-wise, though, I mean, those PATs should be automatic. They should be automatic. There's no reason that they that he should miss those at all. There was no pressure. It was a good snap. It was a good hold. He should have done his job there. There's no excuse for not getting that done. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. I mean, the whole game is different if he makes the PAT. The Saints would have gone for two, obviously, at some point. And with... How the Chargers look throughout that game, it's hard to believe that they 100% sure wouldn't have gotten 
that two point conversion, but obviously you still want to make them have to attempt it and to not have to make them do that is obviously giving them something for free, which has been a lot of the chargers problem. But Michael Badgley, I mean, I mean, I don't think he's going to get fired anytime soon. I mean, if he misses more big kicks, he definitely will have his head on the chopping block and then the Chargers will be put in the same position that they were pre-Michael Badgley when you're going through the Caleb Sturgis days and even having Roberto Aguayo in camp for a little bit because your kicking situation was so unstable. I mean, it's been a nightmare and it reared its ugly head again for the Chargers on Sunday. If you have a game-winning kick, you never want to leave it up to the kicker, John, but that's still a situation that you have to come through. Oh, definitely you have to come through. There's no excuse. You have one job. You sit around at practice and you kick field goals all day. And, and he stretch. didn't take the practice kick either. I saw that floating around Twitter yeah, as that, well, and they mentioned it on the broadcast. I was wondering about that too because when I saw him not go for a practice kick, I was like, eh, I think you should have taken that. It might get, let you know where you're going to mess up. Every kicker does. Yeah, it, it gives you a chance to know where you're going to mess up at, and he didn't take it, but – I think there's another thing that you should talk about, and that's we. I know we didn't have that many penalties, but there was a lot of missed calls. I mean, there was two face masks that I saw that didn't get called, and they were obvious. Like someone grabbed Taysen Hill's face mask when he was as a slot receiver and just yanked him to the floor. Like those are stupid plays that can cost you games. Like they didn't get called, but we're still doing these. And I saw a lot of holding penalties, and I don't know what it is with Sam Tevy. I don't know if he's so scared, or whatever, but he always seems to have this slight little head start of a jump every time we snap the ball that I keep sitting there waiting for a flag to come out because it looks like he's doing a false start every single play. Like We got away with a lot of flags in this game, dude. It, was, it looked really sloppy. We're reluctant. I'm glad we didn't get the calls, but we looked a little bit sloppy as well. Yeah, and obviously the, the penalties didn't play as big of a factor. I mean, the Chargers could have been trying to hold all game long and the Saints were still getting in there and it was still affecting the game in that sense. But you have to give credit too to the defensive line for not jumping off sides in this game too because that is something that has absolutely plagued them. So uh, that was a little bit of what went right. But the last thing I'll just touch on again too is just Justin Herbert. For as many things that went wrong, you still want to see him clean up some of the decision-making, the dropped interception by Malcolm Jenkins, and then just a couple of throws that were air-mailed and just easy throws that it seemed like he was rushing things a little bit. He was trying to go through the process a little bit too quickly. Obviously, these are small things, and for him to handle the pressure the way he did was amazing, but still some things he has to clean up there. It's still a turnover-worthy play. You're still waiting for him to have that truly clean game where he doesn't make any of those giant mistakes, and this time it didn't end up to come back for the Chargers, and that's a big reason why they were still in the game at the end. And he needs to keep his eyes downfield a little bit better. The play oh, not one play, yeah. And ran. Yeah. He, if he would have kept his eyes downfield just slightly to the left, he would have saw a wide open receiver. But he he just kept it. He kept his eyes down, looking at the linebackers, and missed a big play opportunity. But I mean, that's that's a rookie mistake. That's the definition of rookie mistake that you can learn from. That's a teachable moment, as Wade likes to say. It's a very teachable moment. It's also something he hasn't been bad at so far. I mean. To some extent, you know, he had another play where he was rolling to the left and threw back across his body. That's something that can't happen again. I mean, it wasn't that close to getting intercepted. It was, you know, a 50-50 ball, I would say, in that situation. But you definitely don't want to see any more of that. But he usually keeps his eyes down the field. I mean, I put even put that on Twitter. That was an odd moment for him just because he's usually 
pretty good at when he gets out of the pocket. He's looking to pass. He's not looking to run, which is a big improvement at Oregon because when things broke down there, he had a tendency to put his eyes back onto the ground and just try to run for as much as he could. We haven't seen him just try to tuck and run as much this season. But we have another segment to get into. want to end things on a positive note, so we're going to get into what went right in this game. And there was some coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the best protein bar on the planet is a built bar i've told you guys so many times there's so many flavors to choose from coconut almond german chocolate peanut butter or my favorite banana bread there's so many good flavors to choose from and they're all 100 covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew the nice thing about built bars is you don't have to make the trade-off for having something that tastes good and having something that's good for you because not only are built bars great for the keto diet but they're all low calorie, low sugar, and high in protein and fiber. For example, the peanut butter bar has 19 grams of protein in it and only five grams of carbs. Right now, we even have a special offer with Built Bar. You guys can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I also need to tell you guys that it can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction and usually we brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice that you want and help you with what you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is very straightforward, simple, and discreet. And to get started, all you have to do is go to roman.com slash locked on and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and you can take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on and you can get up to $50 off of your ED treatment and a free online visit with free two-day shipping. That's that's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to 50% off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. All right, well, as we always do, we have to balance things out a little bit. There was definitely a lot that went wrong in that last game, but you can't ignore the fact that the Chargers even got to a 17-point lead at one point when the Chargers offense and defense were both playing very well at the beginning of this game. And I think there are some positives to get into, but the thing that surprised me more is that John Kegley actually had his own thing that went right in a loss that I didn't have to coax out of him like I usually do because, hey, what can go right in a loss? But, John, please enlighten me on what you thought went right from this game. Yeah, David, I just took over your segment, <laughs> Optimist. <laughs> whoa, whoa, I don't, whoa. I don't think we'll be seeing very many of these, to be honest. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. The dude is just balling. He is keeping this team alive and this is going to sound crazy but he is basically the Barry Sanders of this team when Barry Sanders was in the league the Lions had a crap offensive line not much talent around them they had like maybe a decent wide receiver maybe a above average quarterback but they really didn't have much and he still put that team on his back and was carrying them all around especially like the 1991 NFC championship game he did it all with Almost nothing. He kept that team alive and in games. Herbert's doing the same thing. Now, I say that the difference would be that the Lions never tried to get more talent. Once they had one or two good guys, they said, okay, that's it. Everyone else is crap. You guys carry the team. The Chargers have players. They're just all hurt. But 
Herbert's playing with a bad offensive line right now, injured offensive line, I guess we should say. The defense is injured too, so Herbert has to play catch up or basically keep up, whichever one you want to look at. And yet he is still keeping this team alive. He went up against Breeze, Mahomes, Brady, and yet he was in every single game. He is keeping this team alive. He is by far the unsung hero. He's he needs a lot more credit than what he's being given. And the crazy thing is they were in the games only because of Justin Herbert, right? I mean, I don't think the Chargers even maybe finish in one-score possession games against those teams without Tyrod Taylor. Except for the Panthers, maybe, yeah. I mean, the Panthers game, those turnovers were absolutely brutal, and that might have been a team that you could have beat without him. But as we saw in this game, it's a lot more than just not turning the ball over to win games. But it is crazy to see how seamless the transition was between can this Chargers front office build the team around Phillip Rivers to give him a deep playoff run, and now it's can the Chargers build around Justin Herbert and give him something to work with so he's not fighting for his life. And I think that's the frustrating thing is just going into this. The one thing we said is, hey, with this guy, when we didn't think he was as good, the one thing you don't want to do is put the entire game on his back. And it seems like week after week, Justin Herbert takes this team on his back. And I'm surprised that he's not the one that had the back injury in the last game and ended up being Keenan Allen, who has done his fair share of the heavy lifting as well. But he's put this team on his back for a lot of moments, and he definitely deserves credit for that. And, I mean, he just has been really brilliant through his first four games. This game, he ends up not turning the ball over and dropped interceptions don't count. But I do think when you look at that four touchdowns, 74.5 QBR, I mean, he's just played really well. Had a perfect passer rating with a clean pocket. And obviously, in that game, it was a very small sample size. But the other person that benefited and helped him play as well as he did in this game, David, was Mike Williams, who ended up having a really nice big game that kind of came out of nowhere with how his season has started after week one, dealing with the injuries and stuff as well. But he goes five catches for 109 yards and two touchdowns. But the most impressive one from both players potentially had to be the play where down the sideline, you said yesterday it was reminiscent of the Cortland Sutton game in Denver last year, goes up on the sideline, makes a ridiculous catch while getting an absolutely perfect pass. When everyone knew you were going there, you could put the ball in one spot. You had to get a good catch out of it, but props to Mike Williams for coming back and having a really big game, especially in the absence of not only Keenan Allen, but Austin Eckler as well. We were we were waiting for this, right? We were we were waiting for Justin Herbert and Mike Williams to get on the same page and really find some chemistry. We saw it with him and Keenan Allen. We saw it with him and Hunter Henry. But we were waiting to see it with him and Mike Williams. And in this game, it seems like they finally found that chemistry. Mike Williams said, hey, trust me. Just go throw the ball up. I'm going to go get it. And that's what Mike Williams did in this game repeatedly. You got to love it. That acrobatic catch, I mean, I have saw it. So many times, it just astonishes me. There are uh, maybe one, two other receivers in the league that can make that kind of catch. I mean, that that is absolutely incredible. Definitely something that went right in this game. You love to see Mike Williams come back off an of injury and have a huge game and do everything he can to help his team win. But for me, my one went right. I am going to switch over to the defensive side, and I can't talk about this game without giving some credit to Nazir Adderley for getting his first NFL interception, something we have clamored for, have been very excited to see him out there on the field. He finally restores the faith in the coaching staff by giving him that opportunity by picking off a ball. And by the way, he was literally inches from taking that all the way back to the house. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the interception was an obvious overthrow. It's not as if it was a great play by Nazir Adderley. He's in the right place at the right time. If it's a good throw, it's probably completed. But what was truly special was after the catch where we knew he could be when he had the ball in his hands. He was dynamic, and he almost took it back. And talking about giving credit to defenders, I mean, we had to give Michael Davis some credit for tackling after having one of the weakest tackle attempts that you could really see last week against Tampa Bay. This week he comes back and has a couple of nice open field tackles and had a couple of run stops as well, getting in there and being physical with the guys like Alvin Kamara. So don't let Alvin Kamara fool you either. I mean, that guy runs hard uh, for what he weighs. I mean, he doesn't look like he's very elusive, but Michael Davis stuck him a couple times, and I had to be impressed with that. But th- They maintained him pretty well too, though. They maintained what Alvin Kamara did. Oh, yeah. He got his touches, but that he has didn't to be have what went right too. Plays. Besides yeah, that one acrobatic, ridiculous juggling catch while tight roping the sideline, I mean, he was pretty quiet. That's just a freak play. That, that's <laughs> not much you could do about that. It, yeah. You were in the right position. You tipped the ball. You made it hard for him, and somehow it just fell in there. It the, you can't really count that play. The rest of the oh, game, yeah. though, they were on top of him. They were there. They were swarming, and guys were getting to the ball. You may have a bunch of injured players with a bunch of backups playing but those boys were flying to the ball they were hungry they were wanting to tackle that's the kind of defense we need whether they're injured or not if you fly to the ball like that it don't matter who's on the team you're gonna be making a lot of great plays as long as you stay aggressive besides that one acrobatic ridiculous juggling catch while tight roping the sideline i mean he was pretty quiet well and the nice thing about that was john is that there was a play where i think he probably broke four tackles and he still got tackled behind the line of scrimmage And that's the thing is when you're able to swarm tackle like that, if you can just drag the play out and have the rest of your team rally to the football, you can still have positive plays. But the last thing I just want to touch on really quickly, just because it is something we harped on so much, John, is the red zone offense because the Chargers really needed to improve there. And in a lot of ways, Justin Herbert has bailed them out of some bad play calling in the red zone. But credit where credit is due, another game where the Chargers have great success in the red zone. They go three for three in this game. Last week, you didn't see it as much because of the huge bomb touchdowns that the Chargers got. But, I mean, that is an area of improvement. The Chargers have very much exceeded because if they settle for field goals there, John, they're not in this game at all. Yeah, like even the play to Mike Williams, that was the long touchdown. It, it was like, it was basically just a blown coverage, but it was a play that you needed. The touchdown to Keenan Allen, it was basically Justin Herbert somehow escaping that pressure because of blown containment, but he made the play and you needed that play. It, Herbert came up with some hero ball plays, really, especially in the red zone. And then the touchdown to Mike Williams in the back of the end zone as well. These were all. It just seems like that pass would be open all day, every single day, that, that specific route. Oh, without a doubt, it would be. But at the same time, it's guys blowing their coverages as well. Like, Two people need to be on one receiver. No, not really. You need one-on-one. But two guys went after the same receiver and it left one guy open. (laughs) Easy play. It's always Mike Williams who somehow gets open on those plays. I know, right? Especially against Kansas City in that two-play conversion play. It was the same thing. But you you made the plays when you needed them. That touchdown to Mike Williams, that was the long touchdown. A Saints defender was supposed to stay with Mike, and he moved up to the flats, and Mike Williams just – wide open and Herbert He's found playing the first down. But that's the thing. Like how many times do we see guys running wide open that quarterbacks don't see? Like as much as it's a busted coverage, you still have to see it, you know, like and that's, and that's what I'm going to get to right there is 
Herbert keeping his eyes downfield and keeping the reads alive. He's not just focused on one guy. I mean, I know we love Phillip Rivers and love what he did, but Rivers used to always look down one receiver, and it was always that receiver or nothing. Herbert it wasn't looking at one receiver that whole time. He was scanning the field, and right when the defender jumped down to play the first down, Mike Williams is open. He throws it to him without missing a beat, and he's gone. you gotta, you got to give credit to Herbert for that one as well. I don't know what else he has in store for the rest of the season, but he's been making big-time plays for this team. And I think it was a big growing moment for Justin Herbert in this game to lose Keenan Allen. As weird as that sounds, that was his guy, right? I mean, Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen. And once Keenan Allen went out, you can definitely, you know that Hunter Henry ended up getting a lot more special treatment from that Saints defense to the point where at one point a defensive end literally went like 10 yards away from the snap to chip Hunter Henry before getting into his pass rush. I mean, they were trying not to let that guy beat them. Justin Herbert didn't just have his security blanket in Keenan Allen to always look for. And at some points in this game, I think he struggled because of that. But at the same time, it made him grow up and made him just try to find whoever was open in every situation. And I think he responded well to that. A couple of missed throws, the KJ Hill throw at the end you want back. Even the Mike Williams throw on that final play. If he gets a better lead in that pass, he probably gets a first down easily. Should have had it either way, but... Or even taking advantage of second chance opportunities after that roughing right. the, the kicker penalty. Four plays and they got a touchdown. How many times do we see the Chargers get a second chance and they still blow it? Yeah, they, they don't take advantage pass. of those or don't take advantage of a turnover or something like that, yeah. Yeah, they, he, he turned that into that deep play to Jalen Guyton and next thing you know... We're in business. Yeah. No, a lot of plays like that. They took advantage of a second chance opportunity. And you saw a lot of growing moments for the team in here in this. You can't do this segment without finishing off with growing moments for the team, not just Herbert for this team. Badgley screwed it up in the end, but this team had so many guys missing, so many big players. And they fixed a lot of things they struggled with. Red zone touchdowns, taking advantage of second chance opportunities. Not that many flags, especially not even offsides, as we mentioned. Nazir Adderley finally getting an interception and showing what he can do with it. Maybe he could be a kickoff guy or something if we need it. Like You saw a lot of growing moments with this team. Yeah, I definitely think you did. And obviously you didn't see them finish the game like you wanted to, but they should have. I mean, you hate to blame the kicker in this situation, but this game has a very different feel. The Chargers would almost feel like they exercised some demons if they would have just hit that field goal. You know, It's like, oh, the Chargers... Learned how to win in close games, even though you're just a field goal away from the entire narrative changing. It is a funny thing how that happens. And obviously, Anthony Lynn is taking a lot of heat, and he deserves some of it. But there's just so many things that go wrong to boil it down to one person. I know everyone wants to fire everyone. The coaching was not a bright spot in this game. They got out coaching it. I understand it. But at the same time, it's so hard to just pick out exact moments where Anthony Lynn specifically, not knowing how much of a hand he has in Shane Steichen's play calling, even though you can feel his presence there, but some of those things are even the defensive side of the ball that he has to deal with. But a lot has to change, and a lot of that is going to have to come from the coaching staff, and then we'll you know reserve some judgments, I guess, on that until the end of the season because I think we all know nobody's getting fired until then, not, not with this front office. That's just not the way the Chargers work. So to get all worked out about it right now is – as much as it is relevant in some sta- in some cases, I just think it's it's just something that's not going to happen right now. But 
we've gone extremely long, so that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow and get into some fan voicemails. If you want to get in on that, make sure you call into the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line. The number is 323-524-7924. Until next time, guys, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Lockdown Chargers podcast there. And also make sure to rate and review. We would really appreciate it. And it's the fastest way to get the podcast as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers. We also post the show to both of those places as well. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to get into a bunch of voicemails. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.